There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business or, let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you. Introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute drowning in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5K. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by B21, a platform which helps you start your journey with cryptocurrencies. Visit b21.io slash hustleshare and get $2 upon signing up. Also by Ideaspace, a nonprofit supporting innovation and technopreneurship as a path to nation building. Ideaspace runs an annual startup competition. For more information, make sure to sign up for their newsletter at ideaspacefoundation.org slash connect. Also powered by Podmetrics, the only analytics platform you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code HUSTLESHARE. One of the most important things is to understand that you always, no matter what, have to put 100% effort behind what you're good at, right? And if you're good at sales and that involves, you know, having this whole showmanship, whatever, you know, aspect to it, then you have to put 100% behind it. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here is your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share Podcast. We finally got a guy that I've been talking to for months, and I'm not going to tell you why. But we'll reveal that at the end of the episode. Well, I've been talking to this guy, and over the past couple of months, I've gotten to really admire him every after call that we've been to because you know it's something. Uh, being a VC in the Philippines is not easy. Okay, first of all, heck, heck, if it's already hard to be a startup founder in the Philippines, it's in a hundred x more difficult to be a venture capitalist in the Philippines. But before I get carried away, 
Let me welcome to the show, Mr. Franco Verona of Foxmont Capital. Hi, everyone. There you go. Franco, finally, we've done this. And I'm glad you're here in Hustle Share. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Ron. Yeah, and I'm a big fan. Uh, I was borderline fanboying uh, when I first met you. (laughs) the background and whatnot but uh i need to I don't ask deserve you that. the million dollar question franco what's your hustle what is my hustle my hustle is to hustle there you uh go. that's that's actually the answer right there mm-hmm. um my my hustle has always been to to just always keep busy and and make sure that whatever i do um you know you know benefits myself um, but also benefits, you know, uh, the people around me, um, and 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 this, you know the community at large. I mean, I think that's that's the dream, and that's that's always kind of where I wanted it to be at. And again, so, being in calls with you, I mean, you 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 we share a lot of traits together. You be yeah. enjoying sales, being a hustler, being very uh-huh. very um particular about how you do your craft and also your business. But yeah. before we talk about that, I need you to buckle up, my man. Because okay. we're going to have to ride the Hustle Share time machine. <laughs> Not the Porsches and whatever fancy cars you have, but we got a fucking wow. time machine. Damn, I am feeling that. That that there. sound the makes G-forces. me really go back. Yep. Yeah, I've there gone go. back. I think I'm, I'm like 12 years old again all of a sudden. <laughs> there you go. So I want to understand, right? So you, you obviously yeah. grew up here in the Philippines. What was growing up like? And were, was there any early uh, influences or any ex- exposures sure. that you did uh, about business that, that you remember? So actually, I didn't grow up in the Philippines. Um, um, most of my formative life, so oh. up until I was about 16 years old, I was in Canada. I grew up in Vancouver, Canada. Oh, um, BC, yeah. Pacific yes. Northwest. Wow. That's right. That's that. right. So my, uh, and, and so oh, I only moved. I only moved back here um, in 1996, and this is where I'm going to age myself a little bit. Okay. At 16 years old, so so I actually came back here. So let's so let's put it this way: my dad, he was a reverse expat, so he was actually an expat in Canada, and and was representing actually an Asian like a paper company out of Indonesia, um, in Canada, set up the office there, um, and that's why we spent so much time there. At 16 years old. They're the ones who decided to come back to the Philippines, and and thankfully, you know, I I made that decision to come back as well. That actually wasn't the original choice. Um, you know, 16 years old with only two years left in high school, I actually wanted to stay in Canada, absolutely, um, and 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 just finish off and and just kind of you know live my life there. Mm. Now, what wound up happening was actually a kind of a seminal moment in my own personal life because you know I get on a phone call the summer before. Uh, with a friend that's actually uh, that had moved back to the Philippines a year before me, and he was like so excited. He's like, "Listen, Franco, you have to meet these people. You know, there's such great, you know, kids here in the Philippines. Very friendly, very open. Um, just give it a try, right?" And actually, because of that one phone call, that's the reason I moved back. Um, you know, I, I thought, well, you know, at least I know one person there. I want to kind of, you know, even at 16, I kind of wanted to connect with with my Filipino roots. And therefore, you know, made that decision and wound up coming back and meeting a great community of friends from the, so in, in the school that I wound up going to, which was the international school. So I spent two years at the international school, um, made a very tight knit group of friends, um, which will actually play an important role later on uh, in this conversation. 
and 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 then you know went off abroad to the states and then and then and then oh you went back yeah i went i went abroad so i spent one semester in ateneo okay. after high school you know made the decision from there that that maybe i'd be better uh suited in an american university and, and wound up going to a school called syracuse, syracuse. university yes uh, that's yeah uh, you, so. knew, you were there in 98 to 2002 this is the I was hate a, of mr carmelo anthony that's right you know that's right yeah. actually i kicked myself you won the ncaa tournament yeah i missed it by a year I, so oh, he came he, if you remember that the championship was 2003 oh, three right it's i graduated oh two so i was actually already living in at that point uh and this is a very timely city to talk about um at that point i was living in washington dc um, okay. and, and watch the championship from DC. Um, but of wow. course still Syracuse, Carmelo. I love that guy. Come on. Yeah, I mean, he, that's a hall of famer right, right there. Right. Um, but anyway, um, going back to it, I, I, I find that that move to, mm. to the Philippines at the age of 16, meeting the people that I met that two years, even though it seems very short, turned out right. to be amongst the most important because those were the two years where I decided actually that Canada wasn't where I wanted to go back to. Once I was done, everything said and done. It was actually, you know, the Philippines all of a sudden went really high up that list. Got it. Um, you well, know, well, it what were the factors? Because I, I want to understand. I've had a lot of uh, expats or repatriates, you know, hmm. of, of, of Filipinos also. Yeah, I mean, Roland's a classic example. Roland, Roland yeah, Ross, right? Oh, you know, born race in the States, went back, yeah. fell in love, stayed put, right? I've had a couple more who were like that. But it wasn't an easy... Uh, adaptation because you know culture wise you you were raised in a western environment and there are yes. quirks in a filipino setting that is hard to get over the hump but at the end of the day it's a filipino calling or i don't know that that makes them say but what was that journey and what were those factors that made you want to like man this is home i want to stay for 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 a very long time well again i think uh, it starts with with the community that i was able to make here in the philippines the friends that i made even at a, a relatively young age 15 and 16 years old the you know even at that young age there was a, there is there is some knowledge that i was able to gain that that knew that somehow um you could take everything that like i could take everything that i would learn in the future and bring it back to the philippines and it would be more valuable here Correct. than it would be abroad it's a, it's a little bit of the you know the big fish in small pond syndrome right you know it's i you know i i don't know if that's really the case i don't know if everything i learned had more impact in the Philippines than if I had moved to, you know, Canada or the United States. Mm. But what I do know is that at that age, I thought that the biggest impact that I could make was not to be a rank and filer in Canada, which is kind of what everybody is, if you think about yeah. it, right? But be a, somebody that could be impactful with my life in a place like the Philippines, where, where of course, my parents, you know, right. were from and my family is. Yeah. And did you so, carry so that right. mindset with you when you went back to the states in Syracuse? And was it, was yeah. it set in stone? Like, all right, I'm I'm I I study in the Philippines. I'm I'm moving back out again, going back to yep. the West. But was it like all right because I want to go back and contribute and 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 pave that path that I want to take in again with 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 what have you been able to experience a couple of years prior? Sure. You know, at a young age, I don't know if you have or if I had the the right opportunity to, you know, determine my destiny. Like I didn't I, I had to be opportunistic. Sure. And in that case, if jobs had popped up abroad, then perhaps I would have taken them. Right. 
But the other thing, the other side of it is that I had also a little bit preset my my destination mm-hmm. um, vis-a-vis, and this is going to get a really kind of deep into my history here, but vis-a-vis an email I wrote to my mom oh, wow. back in like 2000, right? So, wow. so, 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 so this is an email, literally an email I wrote to my mom, okay? And she had actually forwarded me an email written by a Korean student um, okay. back in 99, this is back when, you know, like Yahoo groups were like, super yep, popular, right? yep, Geo City. So her Yahoo group of <laughs> class of 64 or whatever it was, 66, right. you know, had sent this kind of relatively insightful email about a Korean student who had, you know, who wanted to, to compare the Korean experience of, of the economy growing to the Philippine experience. Okay. Um, I was 19 at the time. My mom emailed me that. And I think she, for, the forward actually included her own comments, which had said something like, so true, so sad. You know, my mom basically agreeing that, you know, these insights from this foreign Korean student, very true. Now, right. don't get me wrong. I, I did think that they were very true. Um, yeah. I did get, I did understand where that Korean student was coming from. But at the same time, I thought there, were, there was an opportunity for me to voice what I thought would be important uh, to my mom. So I, I wrote an email back to her. It was actually called, Why I Have Hope for the Philippines. Wow. Okay. And wow. I, 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 I listed out this whole, you know, three, five, 10 point thing where I basically said, this is why the Philippines is, is going to grow. This is, this is what you have to look forward to. And one of the things that you most have to look forward to, mom, is the fact that myself and a lot of my other peers, a lot of other Filipinos that have gone abroad for school will eventually come back and contribute to the Philippine economy, to the society. Okay. So get this, dude. I send it just to my mom. She then sends it to her Yahoo groups. Yeah. To her amigas. Before, before the word was even famous, that email became viral. Wow. So that email reached, I think, somewhere in the range of 400 to 500 people, which is, you know, today, like, very yeah. small. But back then, it was like... That's a chain mail you? already. If it's you don't pass mail. that on, you'll get bad luck for seven years. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> thankfully, everybody passed it on, and I think they all got good luck, especially yeah. me, right? So, right. thankfully. Um, but that email actually reached a lot of different people, um, and I got emails from all all corners of the world, OFWs, you know, Filipino expats abroad, Filipinos in the Philippines, all saying, you know, Franco, you know, your your message to your mom really really touched me, and, and we really do look forward to that time when things are are going to be that way, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the reason I say that story. And then again, this is, sorry, just separately of that, mm-hmm. that whole experience actually, and, and that thing going viral. And I have to talk to RJ and Ledesma about this separately, okay. but <laughs> uh, it, it led to an event where I was invited to speak here at the PCC. No and guess way. who the host was? RJ, RJ Ledesma. Ledesma of Podcast Network wow. Asia, by the way. It's a shout there out. You go. There you go. There you go. I don't think he remembers that, but I, I got to remind wow. him. If you, RJ, if you happen to come across this, so shout out to you. Yo, RJ, dude, I, I think I still have your your, your number <laughs> somewhere in like a your royal through orange somewhere. Yeah. There you go. But now I know where to find you. It's on Podcast Network Asia. Absolutely. Um, but but that became a little bit. I mean, dude, I, I got like 500 emails from people all over the world, basically mm-hmm. saying we're so excited for you to fulfill this email. Do you know what I mean? So there was this whole part of me, this whole, you know, in my 20s, where I was like, shit, you know, like I wrote this email. I said I was going to take everything I've learned, I'm going to bring it back. I better, I better do that at some point. I need to do that. 
Um, and I think that 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 kind of helped a little bit, you know, eventually yeah. when I made that that move home. Okay. Now I'm curious. So there was a covenant technically that yeah, I'm coming back, right? That that, that you made. I mean, people won't sure. you hold you accountable for it, but it is out there now, right? It, it now, was out there. and that that's a that's a high high thing to start, you know, betting on yourself to get that done. But what were those steps you took professionally then to start building towards that dream of contributing right. back? Because and and what were the I guess the, the jobs you took and who were the biggest influences to help you get there? You know, again, I couldn't afford to purposely think of my path that way okay. where I would wind up in the Philippines. So it really had to be opportunistic. Okay. And so in hindsight, now that I'm, I'm where I am at and I'm sitting here in Manila, you know, I can look back and say, well, thank God, because all these different steps really did lead to, you know, where, who I am and where I am today. So, so actually, the first job that, that I, I wound up taking was um, the very first technical job, meaning I made like 50 bucks. I think I made $50 a month because it was called a paid internship in Washington, D.C. So it was beer money. Um, <laughs> was, was actually as a research assistant um, for, um, for a, a, a nonprofit organization called the Woodrow Wilson Center for Scholars. This was actually uh, it's an American institution. And, and its its whole goal was basically to take in international scholars um, wow. that were writing a whole variety of different topics and, and okay. helping them to either you know finish their curriculum in universities or write their books or, or basically give them support for for whatever research paper that they are working on. Okay. I mean, I was assigned to a variety of different international uh, scholars and ex ambassadors okay. and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and I loved it. I mean, I just nice. loved it. I loved, mm-hmm. I loved the ability to work with a, a broad base of international people to gain knowledge from wherever they were from, and to actually understand that the way that people look at the world, really, you have to dig deep into their backgrounds. You know what I mean? Correct. So I was able to glean that from an early age because you know I was working with ambassadors and professors and all these different things from all parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the second job that, you know, I, unfortunately in the U.S., I was a Canadian citizen, so so I wasn't allowed to stay much longer than, you know, a few months in the U.S. I drove back to Canada, drove across the USA. Uh, this is pre, um, let's say, pre-conspiracy theories um, <laughs> and, 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 um, and, and got to meet a, a great broad range of Americans as I drove down to Florida, across Texas, you know, up wow. you know, New Mexico and Vegas and and San Francisco. It was a it was a huge trip. It was two weeks with uh, all my stuff in my car and three friends. You went Forrest Gump, but you were driving. We went Forrest Gump and driving and, and with friends. <laughs> and uh, it was probably a little less healthy than Forrest's uh, yeah. journey. <laughs> I hope uh, you were wearing some some uh, uh, you know some Nikes. What was that? What was his shoe? Shit. Uh, um, uh, I know what you Cortez, mean. Cortez, the Cortez. Yeah, the Cortez. Cortez. I didn't have them then. I have them yeah. now. There you go. Uh, you know, Classic. A little less relevant. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know that 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 cross country drive was was pretty pretty cool. But but anyway, I drove across the country. I got back to Vancouver. I worked for another company by another Filipino, uh, let's say, founder called MyPhilippines.com. Wow. Um, yeah, his goal back then was basically to ease remittance between, um, you, know, right. uh, you know, Filipinos in yep, sending back Canada I mean, how, and sending the U.S. Money back home, right. Yeah. So so then I got reconnected kind of with that Filipino culture. I got to see the problems from, from the Filipino-American side or the OFW right. side 
um, and, and the issues. And of course, I got to kind of understand how much ultimately Filipinos miss the Philippines wherever they are, right? And how much the, the Philippine culture really moves uh, with them um, everywhere. And I thought that was pretty cool. Right. Um, soon after that, I, I got, again, opportunistically, I got a, I got a job, a sales job. And this is where you and I, uh, 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 you know, kind of, you know, have similarities, Ron. Yeah. Um, I got a sales job. It was an international sales job. Wow. Meaning that I was asked to, you know, travel to, let's say, a different country every three mm. months. So in other words, I would live in a country for three months and I would sell advertising space um, for what? a promotional country report right um and so basically you know 21 years old you know hearing about this job it's basically an all expenses paid trip to all these different countries uh to sell advertising okay now listen i was i was i I didn't know anything about the world back then the first country they told me i was going to they told me hey you're going to helsinki and i actually thought for half a day that helsinki was beside jamaica dude that's i wow. didn't realize that helsinki other was side of the atlantic dude yeah it's, i mean that thing is you know it cold is as hell totally, exactly cold and dark depending on when you go yep. or very bright mm-hmm. um but that's it's in the that's arctic to give you an example. yeah it's cold <laughs> as crap man um, and that that gives you kind of an idea of of, of kind of how, how little knowledge of the world I had. Right. That job, I would say, changed me and all my colleagues forever. And right. and the reason for that is because you are given three. Literally, it, it was me and two other people um, that were sent to a country. There there's a there's a whole company like that, right? So there's like 15, right. 20 of us. Right. And but it was really only teams of three that were sent to individual countries. There was no other structure there, meaning there were no managers that were like you had to report to. There was no office. You were basically given three months to uh, do your job, you know, set up shop, uh, sell the advertising, and create a product in those three months. Wow. In a totally different country, in one that you're not comfortable Zero with. network. Zero network, not knowing a single person. Okay, maybe having like an old list that, that – was given to you by a previous, right. you know, team that no was there. Tend to check out, no social media, dude. Back then, we didn't even send emails to ask for. This is in two thousand and three, two thousand and four. We didn't oh, ask. We didn't shit. send emails yet to ask for meetings. We faxed them. Oh my god! And okay, they're in a so different no, language, by the way. So yeah, how the fuck yeah. are you gonna do that, right? Yeah. Wow. No Tinder. Let's put it. Let's be honest. No <laughs> Tinder. I was a single guy. No Tinder. Oh so, man. You know, um, yeah. but, but, but basically sent to, ultimately I spent five years with that company. Mm-hmm. I was sent to 15 different countries to set up these projects. Mm-hmm. Now think about that from a perspective of business, right? right? As a 21 year old, between 21 and 26, I was basically given the opportunity to learn how to be an entrepreneur 15 times over. Correct. From scratch. Zero to one. Zero to one. Week one. I, I had to be like, okay, this is the structure that we need to do. This is how we attack the market. This is how we approach it. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is when we start building the product. This is, you know, this is the final product. And then week 15, out, next right. country, do it all over again. That's absolutely fucking crazy. Now, before we take our first break, I want to learn this because being, again, a sales lover, we're a, we're a very rare bleed because most people, you know, 
whimper away from this like, I don't want to fucking sell. It's so fucking shit. But yo, this is a life skill that if you know how to sell, you'll never grow hungry. And I totally believe that. And I'm glad I learned that early. My first job in sales was the most hated job ever. I started in a call center here in Manila. Okay. Yeah. And right. I was a telemarketer. So I'm that annoying motherfucker oh, wow. who calls these guys all day in, day out. But there's two things that I learned from that. It's number one, how to be as American as possible in sounding. That I, I, I just learned this during that little window at 18. I did not sound like this. Nice. This is okay. not how I normally talk, right? Because if I didn't talk like this, nobody would freaking believe me given how I look, right? <laughs> right? I have less clout gotcha. uh, over what I'm going to do. And number two, it's persistence. I get I eat up a hundred no's minimum per day. I get shouted at, cussed at. That's why also my vocabulary for cuss words improved over that time because I yeah. learned it from all these people who threw it right at, right back at me. Right, it's colorful. Right back at you too, world. <laughs> <laughs> so, but That's one right. thing there, there's indelible marks that sales teaches you for life. Mm-hmm. For you, so you've already told us the 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 those things of how you did it from day week one to week 15. But what were those things that you learned about sales that you still apply to this day? So resilience, as you mentioned, is probably the number one thing, right? Mm-hmm. For any salesperson that then, uh, you know, builds that into a business. Mm-hmm. Um, I think resilience is the number one thing, you know, to know that that, to understand that the no that you're getting today is just one step closer to the yes. And, and that's so important, right? When you're fundraising, when you're, you know, when you're asking for a loan from a bank, when you're, uh, you know, you know, pitching contracts and, and your service. I mean, just to know that you can't just give up after one or two or three or a hundred no's. You just got to keep on going, man. Correct. That I think is the most important aspect of, of sales and, and understanding how sales contributes to your life. Mm-hmm. The other is actually understanding the other side. Um, so, so being able to, again, going back to what I originally said, understanding where people are coming from, um, when they are talking to you, right. Empathy. Exactly. Um, the ability to know why people are saying what they're saying at that exact moment, Correct. the convergence of all the different, um, life situations that have gotten them to the, the point where they're sitting in front of you. And how do you get them to say yes or no, or or get them to agree with you, or 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 not? You know, and that's so important, man. That's so important when you're looking for business partners, for life partners. There you go. You know, for 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 anything, for for any every minute of the day, you need to understand that kind of stuff. Layman's so term, people two. use that and say it. It's connection. But at the end of the day, if you're a salesman, you actually know that to a T because these are the people, these are the opportunities you look for to go in for the sale. What are the weak spots? <laughs> <laughs> that you can hammer down on as you build rapport and also expose while you're de- taking on conversations. Now, Franco, we need to That's take right. our first break. We need because we need to get you pay the advertisers. But let's talk about the rest of your story when we talk about that more after the break. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact 24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at sasschallenge.ph. That's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We're still with Franco Verona of Foxmont Capital. So again, you now before the break, you taught us again how how you've been able to now get that vision. And I've heard this a lot, but again, just just to start off, um, I, it's usually two things with 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 repatriates uh, of Filipinos abroad. For some reason, Filipinos abroad have this undying love for the Philippines. But it's fucking weird when Filipinos who grew up and were raised here can't just wait to get out of here and never come back. Mm. It's fucking yeah. weird because like Brain nobody's going to help us out. I know it's a fucked up situation. It's it's a it's a it's a recurring uh we keep digging ourselves a deeper hole every single time. Why why, why do you think it is that? Because a lot of people who are not from here or sure. not grow up here want to go go back and then the people that that are here can't wait to get back out and never come back. Well, I'm sure there's a, a element of just you know, the grass is greener on the other side, right? So yeah. so I think there's that element as well of people from here that just want to see what it's like abroad. You know, they see it on TV, they hear from their relatives. Um, and, and of course, you know, there's, you know, there's this kind of idea of what, you know, a perfect you know, Western life would look like, right? Right. Um, there's probably an element of fatalism as well um, in the Philippines, which I think is undeserved, yeah. where people think that uh, perhaps they can't, go very far in the Philippines um, yeah. or, or grow very much and, and think that it's, it'll be different in, in, in the Western world. And, and actually, in some cases, that's probably very true, right? I mean, and you do have success stories, right? Dado Banatao, for example. Right. Excellent story. You know, excellent. Right. Winston story. Amarillo. Yeah, Winston Amarillo. Fantastic yeah. story about that. I think, though, that ultimately it comes down to, you know, in answering that second, you know, yeah. core, you know, issue of, of fatalism and, and and knowing or thinking that they can't succeed in the Philippines, that actually just comes down to the support network, right? Correct. Um, that actually just comes down to how they can grow and how they can succeed in a place like the Philippines where 
perhaps they just feel like you can't, you can't do it. You, you don't yeah, know. Who the opportunities terms, right? are scarce or not even good enough, right. regardless of how that's you look right. Over. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And, and in, a, in such a, in, in a small way, and we'll talk about this again later on, mm-hmm. I, I, that's kind of where I wanted Foxmont to play. Mm, got it. All right. Now we'll discuss I that later. Yeah. Uh, we'll, yeah, yeah. Let's enable the people that really want to make a difference. Right yeah. now, uh, I, I want I want to find out. So you you built that career in sales six years and whatnot, but sure. when did you feel the itch to become an entrepreneur? Because the next stint that you have now, I'm in your LinkedIn again, is to become sure. a managing partner of Creative Spark Media. Yeah. I'm pretty sure through that 15 rounds of building and freaking shipping at the same time in 15 weeks. Right, no. that's you kind of realize that you know what I can do this myself. What what was that uh, epiphany for you? Where you realize like you know what why work for this? I I've earned my dues, mastered my craft. I can do it on my own. So dude, that was that was again totally opportunistic. Um, and actually, I almost had to right. So so I'd, I'd love to craft a story where um, you know I had this vision of being this amazing entrepreneur. Um, but the, the reality is, I you know I. I almost had to, and I'll tell you why. Um, 2008 comes around. Um, I had spent, you know, four or five years with that previous company. I had become very senior already, and and mm-hmm. and perhaps, you know, I was, you know, humility then became less of a thing for me. So I started mm-hmm. demanding things, um, and 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 obviously that's never a great thing when you try to start demanding things yeah. um, to to somebody. Um, and I didn't. Sp- you know, I, you know, I, it just didn't, it, it didn't work. It didn't work out uh, at the very end with my previous company. Mm-hmm. So then I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to go back to Manila first. Okay. I'm mm-hmm. going to hang out for a little bit, but I'm going to use, uh, you know, the savings that I have and I'm going to apply to all these different companies in New York city. Okay. So I'm going to apply to, okay. yeah. And, you know, I had been in advertising sales at that point. So, you know, I, I did, you know, I did what I did. I sent cold emails to as many publications as I could, some very well-known ones that we all read today right. uh, to be, you know, sales heads. Um, and I also sent an email to Yahoo, which back then was a quite a large uh, uh, employer they, of advertising salespeople, right? They were the ad king of the internet prior to Google, you know, that's right. devouring everything. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So 2008, you know, September, I, I, I you know, I, I go to New York, I spent two weeks there with a friend living in his living room, basically couch, sending out cold emails, going to meetings, taking these interviews. Um, and, 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 you know, 90, 99% of them all fell apart. Right. Okay. But one, one, which turned out to be Yahoo was a very good conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. So the guy goes to me, I remember it was, it was, it was, it was their office um, in Midtown Manhattan, right across the, the New York public library. And he basically says, listen, Franco, you know, I love your experience. We want you to come back. Why don't you go back to the Philippines, you know, you know, pack up, um, you know, we'll work on your paperwork and we'll get you started, you know, when you come back to the States. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I go back to the Philippines. So, so, so I, I go back to the Philippines, pack up and spend the rest of my savings to go back to the States. Okay. Wow. The rest back of my to zero. Yeah. So I buy, I buy a round trip ticket smartly, go mm-hmm. back to the States. And I just so happened to arrive in October of 20, uh, 2008. Now, historically, does that does that date ring a bell to you at all? Of course, a global financial crisis. Where everything like just got wiped away. 
the day I arrived was the day that Lehman Brothers office emptied out. You know, those, oh, and, you know, that, that picture of like papers all over the place and people leaving and Lehman Brothers like, closing and you down. you spent all your life savings on a round trip ticket. That's right. Uh, I was, I was in my, I was in my, my buddy's apartment again. And uh, he, you know, very nice again, allowing me to stay there, you know, and I'm on the phone with Yahoo and Yahoo's telling me, Hey man, listen, it's a hiring freeze. I can't do anything about it. I'm sorry. I'm like, all right. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'm just going to take a bunch of other meetings, try Mm -hmm. to see them. All the other, you know, 90, remember 99% of the previous yeah, the ninety-nine percent of the previous guys, I wasn't able to, to, to you know, I, I, I you know, it, was, it didn't work out. Okay. I opened, you know, I, I sent emails to another, let's say, hundred. None of them were hiring anymore, right? Because advertising at that point, who the crap cares, right? Right. So there I was, totally broke, in New York City, no money, only oh. a round trip ticket home, and and basically had to go with my tail between my legs back to the Philippines. Shit. Um, and figure out what my next, you know, big move was going to be. So, you know, I, I did that. I, I went back to Manila, uh, October, 2018, uh, totally dejected, zero money in my account. Thankfully, my parents mm-hmm. were nice enough to, to put me up again. And only then did I start thinking, well, shit, I better, well, first of all, you know, I tried a couple of, uh, you know, employment opportunities in the Philippines. Um, right. Again, you know, I was, I was impatient. I was, I was told, I was offered stuff. I was, I was given job offers. Don't get me wrong. They were, they were probably very good job offers, job offers yeah. at that point. But I was also impatient because I knew I was worth more. Got it. So I said, okay, I better start looking at, you know, entrepreneur, entrepreneurial opportunities. Who do I know? What do I know? And how can I make a business out of that? That was it. Those are the Got three it. questions. And that's how Creative Spark came around. Mm-hmm. Um, Creative Spark again, opportunistic. It was built really um, with the idea that we were going to create uh, reports, catalogs, you know, Christmas catalogs for companies, yeah. um, logos for other startups. You know, mm-hmm. you know, and we built that. We did that. We we spent about you know six seven months on that, um, and and did you know a Christmas catalog for a, a big uh, retail brand here, for example. Right. We won that contract like right away. Ultimately, that business actually you know only survived about a, a year or two. Um, and the reason for that is because I got distracted and I wound up starting up another business called Global Media, which I think is also on my LinkedIn, right? GMI Post, GMI yep. Next. Yep. So that, that is still around. Then, yeah, that business is still around. Mm. That is a, a 13-year-old business or 12-year-old business. Okay. Uh, um, and actually that one, you know, let's put it this way, man. That one made me more money when I needed it. So I needed to focus there. Got it. But what in between those those two things when you get distracted? Because I also had a phase where again, after my first startup failed, you know, life humbles you, and oh, yeah. you still get the same technique of selling, but you're now more even keeled, you know, because the confidence is still there. There's a little bit of doubt, but I use that to eat to make me even keeled because I know what I'm yeah. capable of when 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 the stakes are high that I can shoot that last. The last shot, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to be cocky and you know try to dribble the clock out uh, when I could have had found an open teammate to dish it out to something like that. Sure, but it's never about me now. But what were those realizations sure. that allowed for your maturation process, so so that you don't make the same mistake that you did in Creative Spark to GMI? So humility is key. Okay, so humility is definitely key. But I think uh, you know to go with humility, one of the things that that 
and especially salespeople maybe need to understand this. One of the most important things is to understand that you always, no matter what, have to put 100% effort behind what you're good at. Correct. Right. And if you're good at sales and that involves, you know, having this whole showmanship, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, aspect to it, then you have to put 100% behind it. Right. That's not, that's not being mayabang. That's not being cocky. That's, that's putting 100% of effort behind what you're good at. And that's a that's a very different definition, right? Um, from from you know from what people think. I knew that global media was something that I was good at. Mm-hmm. I knew that it was something that I could build, um, and I knew ultimately that um, the scaling opportunities were going to be greater in global media than than anything that we could do at, at Creative Spark. So you know, uh, I tried to you know I, I tried to manage both, but ultimately global media was 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 fashioned in a very similar way to my previous company. So there was a lot of traveling, right? And it, I knew it. Which you're very familiar it. with. Come on. You you lived a jet setter life for a long time. Yeah, I was very lucky, except this time around, I had to pay for it myself, right? Yes. So things are different. <laughs> no, there's different. no corporate credit card now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, there was no taxis, dude. It was like nope. bus or walk. Yeah, I mean, like, yep. taxis were a luxury in 2020, yeah. 20, you know, 2009, 2010. Yeah. But because of that, you know, I, I did have to make that judgment call with mm-hmm. all humility and, and say, listen, you know, Creative Spark, great company. Um, but I can't, I, you know, my attention needs to be focused on something that I know I'm good at. Got it. Um, which is where, you know, Global Media came in. Now, one thing that I really wanted to talk about is your next stint. Right. Yeah. And something that everybody technically used. And this is right in the heyday where it's the most difficult time. I've had some of your colleagues here before. I've had Brian here. I've had Natasha oh, yeah. here. Right. Oh, so, sweet. Okay. Uh, Franco just so happened to be the general manager of Grab sure. Taxi, when you're still Taxi back then in 2012 to 2014. So, how did this experience uh, come about? So, was it totally opportunistic? And how did you guys build Grab? In those days where the LTFRB didn't even know what the fuck you guys were, right? Yeah. So so maybe just to give some context, of course, Brian, everybody knows Brian is Mr. Grab. Um, Natasha, everybody knows Natasha's experience. There was a time in history in early 2000, sorry, late 2012, like December 2012, where literally it was Brian and Natasha and myself in a room together, staring wow. at each other like, okay, what do we do now, right? Okay. And actually more specifically, it was Natasha and I. Okay. Um, uh, Brian, um, you know, had a different role back then. Um, mm. and then, but he would still come in quite actively. Right. That business was okay. So, so grab has basically three big investors in the Philippines. Uh, you know, a few of them, uh, one of them specifically was, uh, was a friend of Jess, uh, a friend of Anthony's, excuse me, Got um, it. at Harvard business school. Yep. The legendary HBR uh, class. HBS, yes, yes, HBS, exactly. So, uh, so that's sorry, not HBS, not Harvard Business Review, my bad. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's the, that's the no, that's the, I still read HBR all the time, but yes, right. HBS. So, HBS. So, 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 Anthony, the way that the, the way that Anthony built his business was very smart. He wanted to build it upon uh, a network of uh, friends that uh, he was very close to from HBS. Yep. Um, and, and so, you know, in Thailand and in the Philippines, and I think maybe even in Vietnam, mm-hmm. you know, the main partners that he, he built there were all from that HBS class. Yep. Right. Now that HBS class, of course, as you mentioned, is very famous. Of course, I'm sure Natasha spoke about this or maybe Brian or somebody else, but that mm-hmm. it did include 
uh, the founders of I've Coupon. I've had Paolo. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you've had Paolo on the on yeah. the call as well. So okay. So that HBS class, which I think Paolo was the year before, right? I'm not sure. They said they were classmates class. uh, with Nadim okay, so he was the same and year. Anthony. Yeah. Okay, so he was the same year. Okay, so then that class did have Nadim. It had Anthony. It had the the Korean founders of Kupang, which yep. is like a, also a freaking unicorn. Yep. And it had Paolo, of course, uh, mm-hmm. very famous. And it, and it had Jesse Maxwell. Right. Um, and, and Jesse, who today is um, a partner of mine in the fund. Yep. And also the, the president. Hey, Jess, what's up, dude? And also the president of Magsaysay Shipping and Logistics. Of course. Um, Anthony asked Anthony asked uh, Jesse if he could if Jesse could help build out the Philippines um, business. Okay. And thankfully, I have a very close relation, personal relationship with Jesse, and and, mm-hmm. and thankfully, you know, Jesse is you know at a very early stage decided to put great trust in me and ask yeah. me if um, if this is something that I would be interested in. Mm. Um, the funny part is when Jesse brought it up to me, I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> so this is like March 2012, and he, you know, he and I are at a bar, and he says, "Hey, Franco, uh, do you want to? Uh, there's a new startup coming to town. What do you think about, you know, looking into it and, and start, you know, helping start it here?" Wow. And I said, "Okay, what is it?" And he goes, "Well, it's it's a ta- it's 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 a it's a business where you can hail a taxi from your phone," and I was like. Isn't that what we already do? Like, don't we just call and then, you know, that's that's how the disconnect was. Right, and right. Back then, even I could not imagine, you know, this this because Uber was also very young. Uber was yeah. only Uber was founded twenty eleven. Yeah. So even back then, I could not imagine, you know, this idea of of a ride hailing app. Um, but I did, you know, I did appreciate Jesse's kind of gesture. Um, and I, you know, and he did say it's because I did have this kind of entrepreneurial experience that I guess back then might have been a little bit rare in the Philippines. I'm not sure. Um, but there's that. Plus, of course, he trusted me. So I, I did agree to at the very least meet with Anthony the next time he was in town. And uh, and I met with Anthony. And, and as we all know, man, that guy is a total visionary. I yep. mean, if there's if, if, if there's a salesman, there's, there's, the there's that guy, that guy, you know, that guy, he loves his business. He knows his business and, and he, he makes you really want to be a part of his business. Correct. Correct. And, um, and the second I met with Anthony and we spoke about his vision, um, there was really no way I could say no. Got it. So what were so, the experiences so, that you did? Cause you did a good two years here and in those two years, there's a lot of growth. <laughs> That yeah. you did. So uh, Natasha and Brian before shared in previous episodes. If you want to listen to that, just go back. There's a bunch uh, out of dozens of yeah. episodes you have to go back into. But sure. Natasha and Brian are saying that they they you, they stayed up late drinking with taxi drivers in the the big ass garages to to convince them to go and whatnot. Uh, from yeah. your point of view, what were those things that you had to build to build grab to what it is today? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I don't know how much different my my stories would be from Natasha and Brian. Let's put it this way: when we started the business, uh, my very first you know financial model of the business only had ten people. Got it. Okay, I I actually thought that this business was going to thrive. Grab was going to thrive with only ten people in the Philippines because I thought it was going to be that easy to convert taxi drivers into users. Remember, a two sided platform, man. Yep. So that means that you have two clients supply you have the drivers mm-hmm. and the riders yep. now my obviously very wrong assessment of the business in december 2012 
was that 10 people were going to be enough to monitor the entire business, right? Yeah. Um, that was inherently a learning process um, yeah. because the market was not ready for, for grab yet. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's what it is, right? When you come to the, when you come to the place like the Philippines with a product that's, you know, that, that the Philippines perhaps doesn't understand, is not ready right. for, man, you better be ready operationally. In other right. words, you better be able to do all the nitty gritty, tiny, tiny inch by inch steps it takes right. to get to that successful level. Mm -hmm. Now for us, as you've heard already, waking up early in the morning or not sleeping at all, mm -hmm. to drive to all parts of the city and present to taxi drivers to teach them as simple things as turning on the phone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Turning on the phone, dude. Answering accepting, the phone. Dude. Accepting a freaking request, right? Dude, that was already like level three back then. I mean, the wow. first thing was turning on the phone. The second thing was answering the phone, right? And then it was like turning on the app. But anyway, there was that. But it was even, it was everything else, man. It was it was trying to get, trying to get one, the government regulators to understand what the yep. business was. You got okay. bamboozled by the LTFRB along with Tripin. And, and, yeah. Uh, I mean, we, you know, we, we had our, we had our, our share of, of discussions with them and then Brian can, I'm sure Brian yeah. shared this justice in, in depth, my goodness. In detail, right? Even um, his, his, his uh, short temper before that eventually became even killed. Yeah. I would say, you know, Brian's, you know, Brian's actually a great, if, if there's one great operator in this country, I, you yep. know, I would put my vote behind Hall Brian. of Fame. Hall of Fame. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, um, no, he's, he's amongst the most admirable. I mean, I admire Brian so much because I think he's the best single best operator in yep. this country. You can give him any business, put him in any type of business yep. and he will make that mother effer succeed. <laughs> Correct. There's no so, doubt. Absolutely. There's no doubt. But yeah, I mean, our learnings were, were very much like that, you know, like inch by inch, you know, make sure that every single little new process was built well um, and that we had a hand in it, mm. you know, and again, this goes back to what we were, you and I were talking about in, a, in our earlier session. At some point, it becomes a lot, dude. You know, when you want to have to build the rider base and the, the rider base, the driver base, all of this stuff, at some point, you have to put the responsibility on them too, right? Correct. That's what only whole, so much heavy lifting you can do as a startup. Exactly. And that's when we started learning about all these different things we spoke about separately, you know, incentives, incentivizing right. drivers, gamification, whatever it is. Gamification, you know, Got all it. these different things. Okay. And that's kind of what you need to do to succeed in a place like the Philippines. Very well noted again. So if, yeah. if, if you're a PA podcast listening to this, you know what's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I, I, let's, let's, uh, after this, did you have any other entrepreneurial journey before you became, you, before you started Foxmont? Sure. Um, you know, uh, I, 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 I have a watch, a small watch wow. shop in the peninsula. Yeah. Wow. So I did that with a, a couple of other yeah, Vintage grill. That's right. That's right. I'm in the market um, for I, one, so I'll get one. I'm gonna get married this year, so. Uh, hey, congratulations! Yeah. There you go. Awesome. Okay, um, now so I'm time. curious uh, because at the end of the day, I want to see the other hat. When, because this is like the full epiphany, right? Uh, the whole grail. So from employee, entrepreneur, VC. Mm -hmm. How did the idea of you putting up your own fund because? I'm, I'm not. A, a lot of startup founders eventually just want to be a VC, 
because to, to pay it for it, you know, and mm-hmm. pull in money from LPs, write those checks. Especially now, the VCs are so poggy because of this Korean startup drama. Uh, I mean, K drama startup. You know, everybody. Oh, I want my own hand GPN, whatever fucking shit, right? Yeah. But um, how did that come about, and how hard is it to put up your own fund in the Philippines? <laughs> Listen, man, I went through the exact same kind of journey as everybody else, right? And 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 I and I think that's you know that's kind of how I want to form the genetics of Foxmont. Okay. I still think of Foxmont as itself a startup, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I and I'm learning that as well myself that that, that mm-hmm. the business of, of fund management is more more than anything also a, a startup itself. Right? Yep. Um, I saw I saw a space. Honestly, that's it. I was opportunistic, man. Uh, just like this, the theme of this this the show. It seems like yeah. I was opportunistic. I saw a space. I, you know, I. One of the things I've learned in life, in starting businesses, is to find the right partners in the right situations. Right. I mean, partners that you can trust, um, and partners that trust you, um, and, and partners that can be very, um, you know, uh, knowledgeable in their base. So, so this is the way it all began, man. 2017, 2018, maybe, yeah, 2017, late 2017. I'm sitting in a lobby bar with Mark Koyman okay. of the Fairmont Hotel. Fairmont. Fairmont. Now that that name is important as well when you think about Foxmont, right? Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got the Mont from Fairmont. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Actually, the, I'm, I'm the, curious the, where you got the fox. So actually, okay, yeah, there, there's a whole long story there. But basically, uh, okay. So long story short, we we actually wanted to call it Fairmont Capital Partners, but we couldn't because there's another Fairmont Capital Partners somewhere else in the world. Oh, so okay. then we went through this whole process where we were looking at other names. Um, at some point, it was Devosh Capital Partners, which is Dutch for the fox. And the reason for that is because um, uh, Mark likes foxes. I mean, he's like a hunter. He's an avid hunter. But eventually we were like, fuck, you know, like nobody's going to actually understand what Devosh is in the Philippines. Right. Um, and we're supposed to be a Filipino fund. Mm. So, uh, um, you know, another, you know, round of thinking about names. Um, and we just decided, all right, you know what, listen, let's just call it, you know, let's just combine the two as Fox and Mont. So Fox Mont. Mm. That's it. Makes sense. So shout out to the foxes who were big game hunted by <laughs> Mark Hoochman and all yeah. and Par- Paramount Hotel in yeah. at the Avenue. <laughs> there you go. That's amazing. By the way, I want to I want to sell my services for business names. Uh, listen, <laughs> I have a whole. I should set up a whole separate consultancy. Dude, Foxmont. Oh. Foxmont's my name. Vintage Grail was my yep. name. Guess what? what? Uh, you know, I don't know if Brian and Natasha remember this. But grab came no from me. Way. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Because it was my taxi for the longest time. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I have an email okay. thread as to why. But anyway, um, Mark and I decided in 2017, you know, we were meeting and we were thinking about what to do together. Back then I also dabbled a little bit in crypto. I was mm. I was I wanted to see what I could do in crypto. And in fact, I started a couple of businesses that were crypto related. Okay. Um, and so I actually said to him, why don't we do a crypto fund? You know, this is during the 2017 yep. boom. The ICO um, craze. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, and back then, I actually really did believe that there were some some coins that would have would carry a lot of value. I mean, mm-hmm. in retrospect, obviously, I'm glad I went the more traditional route. Yeah. But anyway, um, Mark 
you know, and the reason I brought it up with Mark specifically and going back to, you know, knowing your partners and, and finding the right partners at the right time is sure. because Mark does have fund management experience, right? Mm-hmm. He is at heart a an investment banker and a fund manager. That's really his his core business. Yeah. He might be known today as the My Town guy mm-hmm. um, in the Philippines, but really Mark is, you know, when you strip him down, uh, don't strip him down too much, but when you strip him down, <laughs> he, he is a fund manager. Um, and so we'll the, have a, we'll have his own episode, by the way, in Hustle Share yeah. to you. Uh, and I'll be listening to that one too. Um, but anyway, he you know he and I you know evolved and it became uh, you know a discussion about a more traditional fund. And he was mm-hmm. like, "Listen, why don't we just build a traditional fund? I know how to do it. You know, we know that we know that the Philippines is you know is is undiscovered. Basically, it's right. not a place where many institutional investors look to. So he said, let's do a fund." And then the idea was, okay, where, you know, what space do we play in? You know, what sort of markets do we do? Mm-hmm. And that's when, you know, the idea of startups came because it. it was basically like, listen, let's build a venture capital fund because it answers two questions. One, there's a funding gap in the Philippines. So right? much. For sure. You know, after we all ask our friends and family for money, there's that's no it. one else to ask. Yeah. Zero. I mean, there might be a few kind of well-known names out no. there as angels, but they're predators. You know, those. Okay. They, okay. They could be predators. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Get checked but, out. But, but, okay. But yes, there's, there's that, there's, you know, there's, there's that, there's that danger. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also that, you know, you, again, you, after that you tap them out, that's it, man. You're not given any more support system. Sure. It's like, like do or die. And mm-hmm. I, so that's why I told Mark, dude, let's play in that. You know, let's, 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 we, we understand the problems so we can help give them support and funding. Those are the two things that we really thought was going to be very valuable to the community and, and to ourselves, of course. Now, the challenge, of course, was convincing our LPs, there. our investors, okay. that there is a space there. But before we talk about how you actually raise funds from LPs so you can put up that big fund. Let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again. And we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions for liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. 
You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with GCash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoostTimeDeposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn Earn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back from the break. We're still with Franco Verona of Foxmont Capital, which now we know why it's called Foxmont. Okay, yeah. so shout, shout out again to Mark Kujman and, of course, up, all the other LBs uh, of Foxmont. But I'm, I'm curious about this. So you, it's easy to say that, hey, let's put up a fucking fund. But at the end of the day, I've had several VCs here before. So like, like shout mm. out to my friends, uh, to Michael Lintz of Golden Gate Ventures, uh, cool. Minette Navarrete of... of, of yeah. um, of uh, Kickstart Ventures, this is not an easy feat. Right? And your network, you need to find high net worth individuals or big funds of families or whatever sitting money out there that's virtually untapped for them to be put into you. So how yep. did you convince your LPs to trust you to invest in high, uh, high, high, high potential startups you, that you might see that they can do 10x or whatever x that you promised them? Sure. 
um, well, I think the first most important thing is that, so there are three GPs, right? There's myself, there's Mark, and there's Jesse. Yes. And um, the typical fund structure is that um, the, the, the GPs, the general partners, commit a certain amount to the fund yes. themselves. Put your money right? where to your keep, mouth is, first of all. To keep them aligned. So I think typically that number is like 5%. Okay. okay? Um, between Jesse, myself, and Mark, we actually committed 25%. Right? Wow. Okay, so That's a we of the whole fund. Yeah. So we basically told, you know, we basically told each other, we're like, okay, we got to put our money where our mouth is. Let's, 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 you know, let's put money up. Right. Okay. Now, when that happens, it becomes easier, let's say, to talk to to LPs, right? Um, you know, it's it's just a matter. It, it was a grind. It was a grind, just like everybody else, man. Mm-hmm. Um, just like you, just like me, just like just like everybody else that's trying to, to to build a business in the Philippines, it was a grind to get you know meetings and talk to people. But ultimately, I think you know what we what we had behind this was a strong story, knowing that there's a just as you you uh, uh, you know agreed with me on, there is a funding gap, right? right? There, you know, the Philippines, you know, the Philippines startup community will not thrive. Nah. without somebody playing in that space Correct. it's that's just the simple truth of it mm-hmm. right so there's one two okay. there is no uh real true, uni- true yeah. unicorn Correct. right or not even unicorn we all know no- that don't by the way I, I, we've had that several times here so don't 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 be afraid we know that <laughs> there isn't a real unicorn of, of, uh, in, in the philippines yet there's okay, so there's no there was no real business that that was homegrown. Let's put it that way. That's right. homegrown that attracted the regional investors in such a way um, where the valuations, you know, made sense. You know, you know made sense, exploded, mm-hmm. um, and and brought therefore brought attention to the Philippines as right. an environment. Zero at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe a few, but nothing you know that that had substance. Let's put it that Correct. way. Correct. And with those two points alone, you know, and us going out and then talking to all the different LPs that we had, right? You know, by the way, we were very kind of picky about who we spoke to for LPs. We wanted them to be, we wanted most of them to be Filipino. We wanted nice. most of them to have some sort of influence within their industry in the Philippines, okay. and we wanted them to all have this like spirit of giving back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they've Paying either publicly, exactly, they've either publicly said it or even privately said it. But you can tell just based on their public actions right. that giving back was something that they wanted to do, right? right? And we also wanted to give them the promise that we were not going to build businesses or fund businesses that would then be diverted to like a very specific conglomerate. Correct. You know, we wanted to be an independent fund Makes where sense. our founders and our LPs can be sure that the companies that we invest in, we will give them the best possible advice with no other ulterior motive but to help them grow. Absolutely. Now I'm curious because I'd I'd never actually gone to ask this from a VC, but from the point of touching base to a potential LP, how long is the grind like to close out a a, a from from a pitch to a check? Because uh, man, that's a hustle, man. I'm pretty sure. I mean, from the grind of asking for a fund from a from a, say a VC like you, it takes a while. But what more from an LP? Yeah, um, you know, it, again, it, I think it depends, right? So, so other VCs, you know, are, are much larger than us, and they've, and that's because they've taken in institutional capital, meaning they've taken like 
you know, social security systems from Canada or insurance, right. you know, mutual funds, whatever it is. Right. Um, and the grind for, for that is crazy, right? Yeah. It's crazy because there's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of red tape. Um, yep. and, and, and therefore, by the way, that's why when you're asking, you know, other funds and you're fundraising from other funds and sometimes even ours, it's challenging because those funds, the fund managers, they also have to do a lot of bureaucracy, red tape to answer yeah. to their LPs and their institutional investors, right? right? So, right. so all of that bureaucracy passes down. Right. For us, um, we didn't start with institutional investors. So, uh, you know, a lot of our LPs are, you know, either successful entrepreneurs um, nice. or, you know, or, or, or are, you know, actually almost all of them are successful entrepreneurs. Nice. I would say 99% of them. That's amazing. Which then goes back into why we always say as Foxmont that we are a fund, you know, by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Got right? it. We want we want there to be a whole community where our LPs, and, and this is something I'll talk to you about separately, our mm. LPs, you know, pass their knowledge base down to our That's portfolio amazing. companies. Right, right. That's great. Now I, I'm curious. Okay, so you painted the picture of how you basically put up the fund. But at the end of the day, you have to pick the right startups to make use of that fund. So I, I need sure. to understand because some funds, you know, uh, again, it depends on, 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 the, on the VC. Some, some are vertical specific, but mm -hmm. I, I want to understand what do you guys look for in the startups that you, you decide to fund? Because again, full disclosure, uh, I've, I've known some people that have been invested on by, by Foxman. So again, if there isn't a unicorn yet, I'm pretty fucking sure somebody's gonna be. And if this this is the startup, it's Kumu, right? So you've invested on in Kumu, and yeah. what are the ones that you invested on, and what are the common denominators in those startups that you decide to write a check for? Okay, so so first, our portfolio companies today, um, are at least the publicly known ones, right? Um, are Kumu, of course, um, Education, um, Bookie, Bookie, and actually so Ben, yeah, Bookie, yeah, and Ben, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the last one is actually uh, the Philippines' largest trampoline park operator, Bounce. Bounce in Mandaluyong. Uh, no, actually, it's the, the, the Bounce is the ones that are in SM malls. So there's one in Las Piñas, okay. North Edsa, wow, Batangas. Wow. Sorry, yeah. my bad. <laughs> no, it's okay. That's it's obvious my, that my body weight cannot be held by a trampoline. So I am usually <laughs> the trampoline. <laughs> They fucking trample me. But wow, <laughs> these are the things that are very, very uh, interesting. Well, what are the common denominators over these founders or the teams that you decided to check? Because I'm pretty sure a lot of people try. And especially after yep. this episode, a lot of people will freaking try to, to, to get that check. But give them a hint. What are those things you look for, at least uh, before they even shoot their shot? Well, definitely Filipino-founded or Filipino-focused. Um, yeah. I mean, again, we are a Filipino fund. We want to help Filipino businesses grow. Now, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, because you have a business out in, you know, your, your head, let's say, let's say your headquarters is in Singapore. That doesn't discount, you know, the business. It just means that we want to make sure that there is some sort of focus in the Philippines. The tech is developed here. You know, commercially, it's focused here or the entire, the entire business is focused here. That's probably the single most important thing. Okay. Um, uh, two is a proven revenue model. Um, some, some, you know, they, you know, they, they can come to us and say, it's not, it's more than a debt, right? Because we're not seed, right? We're not seed. Uh, we're not angel. Um, we are pre series a, 
So it needs to have some sort of proven track record of revenue. Got it. Um, that's another. So let, let me um, let me double down the, on that. So not seed, not angel, your pre-series A as well. So if you're yeah. a startup and you're listening to this, so what is that with seed series A? Whatever is that run? So let, let me just define it to you. Okay. Um, you know, in a startup life cycle, right? The first people that write you a check in your startup are the FFFs, the friends, fools, and families. Uh, more than that, it's either pre-seed uh, or the angel money. These are the people with high net worth that are, you know, uh, would take in the most risk. And then after that, it's the pre, it's the seed or pre-seed, whatever you want to call it, or pre-series A. Uh, some people like to call it bridge, right? Um, that um, that want to, you know, further solidifies you have a, a really a good uh, proven revenue model that you need to further solidify what you need in order to get you to lift off, which is Series A. So that's what you look for, proven revenue model. But at what value? Because some 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 newbie startup founder might be listening to this. It's like, hey, Franco, I want to talk to you. I already made $100. It's proven. What, what, what are we talking about? Like, what, what numbers are we talking about here? Of course, it has to prove that it's scalable, right? I mean, that's certainly one of the the the, the core things that we're looking at. Mm-hmm. So that's great that you made a hundred dollars, but can you make a hundred dollars a hundred times over a hundred days? Let's say, you know, yeah. something like that, where you, you show me a graph and it says, listen, I made a hundred dollars. The next day I made $200. Mm-hmm. You know, the third day I'm, you know, I need to see growth. Right. Yeah. I think I, definitely the fund needs to know that uh, your business model is something where, scale is built into the business right Got it. So, what about the team what do you guys look for uh, committed founders 100% committed founders mm-hmm. guys that are uh, that are into their business and are you know hopefully not working anywhere else on the side mm-hmm. um and 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 really just the drive right i mean mm-hmm. i think i think many vcs will admit that investing in companies oftentimes becomes an investment into the founder um, knowing and, and being confident that the founder themselves, the founders themselves, are 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 strong, committed, and and flexible enough to take uh, a beating, a beating, yeah, yep. you know, suggest and, and go for it again the next day, <laughs> yeah, on yeah. repeat, yeah, right? that, yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Are there specific? um, So you mentioned for the the four companies. Are there specific verticals that you favor over a certain like? Again, some funds are like crypto based. Some are fintech. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Mm -hmm. What about you guys? Well, I mean, when we looked at our original portfolio companies, of which we're going to add a few more uh, in the coming days. Yeah. um, When we looked at our original portfolio companies, we actually realized that it seems like we are investing in. In things that Gen Zers would do, right? Mm-hmm. So they entertain themselves via live streaming. They educate themselves via a specific website. Uh, they look for food options um, by another website, um, and perhaps they find some physical entertainment within, uh, mm-hmm. you know, bounce uh, the, the trampoline parks. Um, that 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 just kind of naturally formed. Um, but 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 I, we don't we don't restrict ourselves basically. Um, Got it. If it's a great opportunity from the Philippines, then we'll, we will look at it and we will study it closely to see. Mm-hmm. Got yeah. it. Now, just a little bit of a checklist. Just again, just helping out my fellow founders who are listening again. That's the purpose of, of this podcast. Of course. 
if they were to come knocking at your door, mm-hmm. what would be the first few things aside from Chris? You already mentioned the team. You already mentioned, you know, the the the, the committed founders. You know, the revenue model, whatnot. Was there anything that you kind of look for that really catches your attention more than anything other than those that you said? I mean, and again, this is not this is not I would say a you know written anywhere in any of our sure. process flows or anything like that. But I think there's there's a there's something to be said that impresses me the most when I meet with founders that just understand their market, like you know, like the natively. Yeah. You know, like you you ask them something about their market or their business and they don't need to ask anybody else they know it at the top of their head correct you know, they they don't there's it's it's, it's always organic. running it's like it's like yeah, yeah. it's like <laughs> it's like the back end system right it's just there all the time <laughs> like a bot um, right yeah you don't need to pull up a window anymore it's correct. literally running in the background that that is a, a quality of a founder that honestly I'll be honest, huh? I, you know, you don't see that often in this country. Correct. You just don't. And I, I don't know what it is. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But when I do see it, you know, I am impressed and I am, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm willing to take that next kind of step of studying the business and working with them uh, to see if there's something that, that Foxmont can do. I, I think I have an explanation towards that because I've been around the game, at least in the startup community for a while. A lot of the mm-hmm. startup founders that are, say, thriving now were, were second-time or third-time startup founders. Their original mm-hmm. startups failed. Or if they still have their own startup, they stumbled and falled and literally dragged themselves from the dirt to get it where, where it is now. Um, and it's because of uh, founders just needing a little bit more exposure. That's why we we created platforms like this and uh, and other sort of founders like 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 me who were in the early stage like 2010 2011 2012 we're trying to pay it forward to the next generation because we want we don't want them to go into go through the same potholes that we did like you know not not having a pnl not having a it's more than the deck cuz the deck part the pitching part that's easy schmeezy lemon squeezy but it's the finesse that happens after you know, making sure that you deliver. It's just more than just an idea. Yes. And that's why a lot of the startups that actually probably pitch don't have or that organically because number one, they even, they have not been exposed yet to, to those types yep. of, uh, you know, those, uh, those uh, types of scenarios. Or number two, they just really need to go through the, the, the growing pains because I'm pretty sure yeah. if they, what I wanted to see and this is uh, exactly what the other startup uh, people also said, like Miss Diane of Idea Space. A lot of those people that failed should not stop. Yes, I know you yeah. have to look at your wounds eventually. That oh shit, this is so painful. I don't want to do startups again. But you got to try again because most like you'll you'll succeed. If just like me in 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 Party File, I tried again. Chatbot PH became a win, and now Podcast Network Asia is fucking like like growing like like bananas right because yeah, i kept trying but if i met you in party file you would have probably said the same that's just a lot of bravado a lot of greenness to me and a lot of questions that would have caught me uh off guard listen man i mean going going back full circle to something we spoke about you know a little bit ago is is, is the resilience right you need that resilience it's the sales, right? You need to get a bunch of no's to get to that yes. And it's Correct. the same thing with founders. 
after it. Unfortunately, you may have to go through a few failures. I have yep. as well, man. Um, thankfully, nothing we spoke about today. But uh, but but <laughs> but you know, you, you, there is there is something to be said about having those failures, um, so that you learn how to you know create something of value um, and, and never repeat it again. Never repeat it again. Correct. And again, it's just part of life. You you need to get knocked out. You need to get exactly. a knockdown. So that the the whole thing it's it's very rare. So if you're a first time start, start if if you're a first time startup founder li- listening to this and it's hard, you're in the right path because eventually yeah. um, you're gonna figure it out. Just ask for help because a lot of us a lot of us the old guard or the titos of the startup community and the titas of the startup community have went through this. So go on ahead and ask those those people because we can we'll, we'll definitely share those those mistakes. And if you want to. Just do it. Just listen to this podcast. We've had hundreds of them now. <laughs> Who's been there? Now, I, I want to ask uh, several questions before I let you go, Franco. Sure. What's your advice for startups in doing what we do and what we love the most? You and I, which is uh, sales. Because a lot of startups struggle in this too. A lot. Because they always say, hey, I have product market fit. But you can you don't have product market fit if you don't have again a sustainable and repeatable business model, and that at the end of the day ends down and boils down to sales. What's your advice for startups who are doing or struggling with sales at the moment? Well, definitely get real world experience, right? So don't just sit around and 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 do analysis paralysis and and get one no and then you know kind of sit around and, and say okay what did we do what did we do wrong for like months at a time. Right. Um, a lot of a lot of times, I think sales is a matter of just getting out there, understanding understanding your client, the potential client, and seeing why they said no, mm-hmm. um, and making immediate fixes to that. Hopefully, not nothing that that that, that changes the product uh, too much. Um, and then going back out, like a day later or two days later, and trying yep. it again. Um, Ultimately, um, sales gives you the um, opportunity to understand your client better as well, right? I mean, that's really that's really it. Even if they're not your client yet, you're definitely thinking about it as a future client. So whatever experience you get, whatever feedback you get, you need to listen to. Um, this is actually something I, I, I get a lot, you know, and unfortunately, sometimes we have to decline, you know, some investments or, or people. And and when that happens, I do notice that there's a you know there's a little bit of a tuning out towards the end of the conversation, or you know it's just like all of a sudden it's kind of like uh, okay uh, you know they're not listening to the other part of it, but the other right. part of it is why am I saying that as a client Correct. or as an investor? And that's actually the most important part because most of the time, no's are are rarely never's. It's not yet. So if you ask why you're getting a no now. And you try it again, and you've done the necessary pivots. You'll probably get a yes the next time. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I think that's exactly you. Just again, it's real world experience and moving quickly on the feedback that you get. Exactly. I think that's my number one. That my number one right. tip for salespeople. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Now let's talk about networking because you always say that you know you're lucky to have to be at the right people at the right time. Uh, and be surrounded by the right guys that the, uh, you know, that allowed you to get the opportunities that you need when you needed it the most. But that doesn't happen by accident. I don't believe in accidental network networking. You choose the people that you want and you value in your life, 
and eventually those seeds grow into full fruition. What's your advice for startup founders as they build their network uh, to 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 eventually be be fruitful for their startups? Be honest, right? Um, you know, I, I do find that uh, I've been in situations where I found that people, you know, networking. Uh, let me start with a positive, not a negative. Okay. Network <laughs> is networking. Um, that's, that's by the way, that's a New Year's resolution. So okay. I'm trying, to, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to look at things. It is still fresh. Okay. You're still in the clear. We're good. <laughs> and great humility, by the way. Okay. So, so okay. anyway, um, networking. I mean, ultimately, what is networking, right? Networking is is the ability to to form personal relationships with people that matter that will eventually help you out some way or another in the future, Correct. or you can help out, right? Correct. Um. But you have to approach that in a very honest manner. Um, and you have to approach it in a very equal manner, meaning that you should be able to feel like you can also contribute to this relationship. Reciprocate. Right? Yeah. Um, and, 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 and oftentimes I do feel, and this is where I get a little, I'll get a little negative. Oftentimes I do feel that uh, y- you get a predatory vibe from some people because yeah. they're- Or you know, parasitic. don't know ultimately- like They just leech yeah, off of you. parasitic. That's right? probably better. Mm. And, and that's, you don't want that vibe. You know, you don't want to give off that vibe. Correct. Do you know what I mean? Um, every relationship should be a give and take. It should never just be a, you know, take, take, take. Correct. Um, and I think that's where honest relationships are formed. Um, and in a community, a small ass community, even though this country has like a hundred million people, it is still a very small community for some odd reason. I don't understand the dynamics of why that is, but everybody seems to know everybody here. Um, and in, in this small so ass Kumo, community. Right there. They, they was, yeah, well, yeah, everybody's, everybody's streaming on Kumu. I feel like <laughs> I walk down the street and I'm like, even though the person behind, is behind a mask, I'm like, yo, that, that's definitely a guy on Kumu. Yep. I just hope that the grab drivers don't kumu at the same time because that's dangerous. Okay, so that would be the dream. Now that's moving a full circle. Right. As long as they're eyes on the road. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, everybody knows everybody here. It's I guess it's it's culture driven, obviously. It's yeah. So be honest, right? I mean, even from the first interaction, like if why you want to network with somebody, why you want to meet them, why you want to uh, talk to them, just mm-hmm. right the first email, the first phone call, the first text. Hey, you know, X person, you know, I think it'd be very valuable to, to to talk. You know, I'm a you know I'm starting in my business, and my business is going to be focused on this. I'd really love your input because maybe your input would help the business. And therefore, my business, and therefore your business. Yeah. You know, there's there's so many ways that you can make sure that this relationship is mutual. And not one-sided. Absolutely. Now, last question. This is a personal one. If you were to give okay. yourself an advice to the young Franco who's about to go to Helsinki back then, what would be your advice for yourself, uh, given knowing what you know now? Don't panic. It's organic. <laughs> <laughs> that's so Dutch. This is a Mark Lewis one. <laughs> oh, man. That's so Amsterdam. That question is, that, that answer is so Amsterdam. My no, God. Just don't, just, just don't freak out, right? <laughs> life, 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 will, life will bring you somewhere, but it's where oh, you're supposed man. to be. That's basically the point, right? I don't did panic. not expect that answer. But that don't panic. Amazing. It's organic. 
All right. Again, thank you very much, Franco Verona, Fox One Capital, for such an amazing episode to, to, to again to kick off uh, our first few episodes in the year. But before I let you go, uh, Franco, invite people over if they want to try to shoot their shot or whatnot. How do they reach out to you, especially for a startup listening to this and whatnot, or an LP who wants to probably put his money. Uh, where well, your math is uh, I mean their math is and, and join uh, join Fox One as an LP how do they do that and uh, where do they reach out to you sure I mean the easiest way is of course to find me on LinkedIn um, oh. I, I take all connections I say yes to everyone um, that's one and the other of course is um, uh, our website our website actually has a submit form which honestly directly goes to myself and a few other people so I do read most of those emails. Mm-hmm. So um, shoot your shot there. Yeah. Shoot see. your shot there. Please do. We uh, we encourage everyone to please come talk to us. We're here to be your mentor. You know, mm-hmm. if we can if we can find a way to be an investor, we'd love to be an investor as well. Sure. But that's, build that relationship. Awesome. You don't have to ask for money all the time. The best yeah. way to actually ask uh, to get in front of, of I mean, just pro tip coming from my end, we've done this so many times, is to ask for advice. You know, because if you ask for money right away, the stakes are too high. But ask for advice, and then you want to be on the radar of the VCs, not asking for that check right away. Because if that check is, if you did, if you're doing such a great job, that check will also just come out organically. That's right. Absolutely. Okay. That, before I let you go, Franco, follow us on whatever podcast app you're saying. And if we did say some jargon. Don't worry, we got you in the show notes on hustleshare.com. And again, if you want to be uh, involved in how we grow the show, it's going to be the Hustle Share community on Facebook. And lastly, message us on the Hustle Share chatbot powered by chatbotph at m.me slash hustleshare. Because next week, I'm not going to leak it out, but watch out the 25th, circle that in your calendar. There might be a big, big announcement from me and Mr. Franco Verona. But again, thanks, Franco. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ron. Really appreciate it. All right. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.